Welcome to Paradox Jukebox, an unconventional podcast for the unconventional music lover, brought to you by Music on the Move Studios, a woman-led company working to help musicians move their careers forward through education and live events. I'm your host, Katie Thompson. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It is Season 3, Episode 14, with Sierra Cornell of Songwriters Unblocked, a podcast that aims to really demystify the world of songwriting how songwriters, you know, go about their process and just what it means to be a songwriter in general, the struggles they face and and so on. So today, Sierra is going to talk to us about how she came to be in L.A. and is a songwriter full time, working with artists, also working for sync deals and things of that like. Before we get into the episode, I want to play a track for you that Sierra wrote with another artist. This is called Run My Mind by Sierra Cornell. Welcome, everybody, to Paradox Jukebox. It's your host, Katie Thompson. And with me today, I have Sierra Cornell of Songwriters Unblocked. She is a songwriter out of L.A. and podcaster. And I am really, really excited to talk to you about songwriting today. So how are you doing, Sierra? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure. So I'm really excited to know about like your career because you you said pre you know pre us hitting record that you don't actually have like an artist career career you are a songwriter first yes yes all right so can you talk to us about like how you came to be a songwriter in LA and maybe just like a little bit of a backstory and then how you got to where you are right now yeah for sure so I went to music school and when I was there I was doing the artist thing like that's what everyone was doing and um, when you're a kid growing up you see the people on stage and you see you know you want to be the people that you're listening to so you think oh well you know if I want to sing if I want to write songs I have to be artist and so I went into you know did it my entire life growing up loved it um and thought I would go to music school and really figure out how to make a career in this and um when I got there, I was, something just wasn't right. Like I just hated posting myself on social 
social media. I was like, I don't really know what kind of music I'm trying to do. Like, I didn't feel like I had an identity. I was very confused. And none of the music that I was doing for myself as an artist was like really inspiring me. So it made me think like, oh, am I supposed to be doing music at all? And then I realized just through talking to people and, you know, I kind of knew in the back of my head that you could be just a writer. Um, but I didn't know anyone that was doing that. Like nobody in my circle was just pursuing a writing career. Um, so I didn't really think it was possible until I started, you know, I met a girl who was just going to move out to LA and be a writer. And, um, I started writing with artists and Oh, wait. So all of those things that I hated, that I thought I hated about music, I really just hated about being an artist. Um, and I had some sessions with this artist uh, that I still work with to this day. And we just, it was so easy. It was so nice. I was like, wow, like I just go in, I talk to people, I get to, you know, hear about their lives, hear about their experiences and help them turn their stories into songs. And I felt like I was really good at it. And I could just kind of leave the song after that day. Like I didn't have to worry about production or, you know, mixing and mastering and, you know, release strategies and all of these things. And I just started, I just kind of decided, well, I'm going to, I'm going to put a pause on this, this artist thing and see what I can do as a songwriter because this seems to me like it's way more up my alley. So <laughs> <laughs> I kind of discovered that like my last semester of school and then I knew some people who were moving out to LA and my plan honestly was never to move out here. I never in a million years thought I would end up living in LA. Um, but I, it was still kind of in quarantine and COVID things were starting to open back up, but it wasn't really like, um, all that, there wasn't all that much movement yet, but so I just decided to move out to LA with the people that I knew. And, um, since I've been out here, I just, you know, do sessions, write a new song every day. And that's, that's my life. That's incredible. Well, and I think this is such a unique perspective because most of the time as, you know, as I've done interviews, you know, in my third season of Paradox Shootbox, everybody's on that artist track, right? And it's not, it's not just about the songwriting, but it's about performing as well. So can you talk about um, getting out to LA and like getting into the songwriting scene? What was that like? Yeah, it's, kind of weird <laughs> not gonna <lie. laughs> um, songwriters are unfortunately not all that respected as far as like you know money and uh I don't know I guess just sometimes like general courtesy goes like I think a few maybe maybe 10, 20 years ago, it really started being a thing that, like, artists were going to write their own songs. Um, I, I honestly kind of attribute it to, like, Taylor Swift and, like, some really big artists who came up, like, who were songwriters. But we don't really have a history of doing that, you know? Like, some of the biggest artists of all time, like, they didn't write their own songs. Like, you know, Michael Jackson didn't write his own songs. Like, you know, some of the most amazing songs that we think of are were written by writers not by the artists and I think it's it's really just a recent thing that there's this idea that artists have to write their own songs or 
should write their own songs in order to be considered like a legitimate artist. I think that's relatively new. So um, it's unfortunately like turn the tides against songwriters in a lot of ways. Um, and it's, it really, to me, you know, getting into it out here was about, like I used a lot of, you know, my network from music school and really focused on developing artists. So, you know, I just, as anyone in the industry, you can't necessarily just shoot for the top right off the bat. And, you know, not even that you would want to, like, I have a number of artists who I work with right now, like, you know, if they blow up, like I go with them. So I've put a lot more of my energy and focus into, um, finding, developing artists that I believed in and working with them very consistently and helping them to build a sound. And now I, you know, my songwriting is an integral part of their artist identity in a lot of ways where, you know, I think you become a lot more valuable and um, you're not disposable when that's the case. And I think a lot of um, songwriters come out here and expect to get placements with really big artists right off the bat. Um, or, you know, really struggle through the placement game, which is, you know, where you just write a song, um, with producers, writers, no artists in the room, and then you pitch it to a bigger artist who's looking for songs. And, uh, that can be really successful. It's certainly, um, a possibility. And I do know people who have had a lot of success doing that, but, um, it can be very discouraging. It can be really hard to know, you know, okay. I'm writing a song for Dua Lipa. I don't know what's going on in her head, what's going on in her life, what's going to resonate with her. But if there's an artist in the room with me, you know, I'm much more likely to, I I am going to have that knowledge, you know, and then they're going to feel like they're a part of it and want to release it. So um, my focus getting into it out here was um, to work with people that I had already been working with from school and then to branch out and find new artists um, that I resonated with and who resonated with me and, you know, really try to, work with them to build up their project. Yeah, absolutely. So you as just an entity, like, do you, do you just work solely on your own or are you a part of companies that actually like will pair writers with artists? Kind of like how like Warner music group used to do back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm connected to a few of them. Um, I'm not signed to a publishing company, um, or anything like that. So, but I do, you know, sometimes like ARs from certain publishing companies or labels will reach out to me and connect me with people. Um, I have, um, a good friend who, um, is an ANR and he's been really great at getting me artists and, um, it's comes from a lot of different places, you know, and then, the more people that I work with, the more I get referred to other people as well. Um, I've definitely met some great writers and artists um, through my own podcast. So that's been awesome. Um, I think, you know, as far as networking goes and like getting connected to these people and who's putting me in rooms, it really comes from so many different avenues that, um, you know, I think, moving forward and in my future, like it will come more and more from word of mouth and, uh, you know, that, that reputation as it's, as it's building and as it's growing, that will be a more driving force and how I continue to get connected to people. 
Absolutely. So with with some of the writers that you have worked with in the past, like are you actually seeing royalties come in from those from those songs yet? Or are you like are, are there deals in the works at the moment? Uh yeah. So um royalties, not yet. I have just recently, like within the last few months, started to see the songs that I write come out. Um, it's definitely one of the struggles I think of being a writer is that you have really, after the song's done, you don't really have much say in how the song gets released, when it gets released, um, anything like that. So, and then also, you know, royalties get paid out over a really long period of time. Like, uh, it could take two years. If I had a hit tomorrow, it could literally take me two years to see any money from that. Um, so it's a bit, the royalty side of things really takes a lot of time and I've only been out here doing this for like a year year and a half now um but just recently have I had you know some cuts out by artists and I expect to see you know some amount of money from that uh in the future I also um do get a writer's fee working with some people and um uh, writer's fee or like day rate, depending on the situation. So that's great. Um, that's something that I would encourage anyone asked for because it's not really standard industry practice. Um, pay songwriters for their time. Normally it's just, you'll get royalties, but you know, given the, the nature of things today with the music industry and, um, you know, Spotify and all of that, it, you can really um, struggle to survive as a songwriter off of royalties now in a way that, you know, didn't, was not the same 20 years ago or 30 years ago. But um, so I would encourage anyone to ask for a day, right? Ask for a writer's fee. Um, so I do do that. So that's honestly where the majority of my money comes from right now. Is is your writer's fees? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Very cool. Um, and I did see on on your website that you give songwriting lessons as well. Yes, I do. I do. I do. Songwriting and voice. Very cool. So talk to me about your songwriting lessons because I think uh, we have a lot of you know newer musicians that listen to the podcast because there's a lot of really good educational pieces here. So so talk to me about about your lessons because uh, I'd like to link those in the in the show notes. Yeah, totally. Um, so, I mean, I got my degree in songwriting. Um, so I use pretty much everything from that degree in my lessons and in the way that I teach people. Um, I have, <laughs> I have a 10 year old right now who's really excited to go to the school that I went to. And I'm like, I don't know if you're even going to need this. Like, you know, <laughs> eight years, maybe. I don't know if I'll teach him for that long. But um I could give you all of this knowledge <laughs> um, right now. So that's really at least how I, that's like the template for my lessons is, you know, the information that I got from my degree. Obviously um, I've learned a lot actually working in the industry as well. So it really depends, you know, on where the student's at, why they're writing songs. Like I have some students who are just doing it for fun and other students who are like, I want this to be my career. And that's going to be a very different approach. Um, right. You know, where also like, you know, genre and stylistic things is, are, are going to be different. So I think the advantage at least of taking private lessons as opposed to going through like a degree program is, you know, it can really be tailored to your situation and to what you want to get out of it and what you want to learn and also where you're at 
So I take a very, you know, individual approach. Um, and it seems to be really effective because then you get really, you know, feedback on like every single thing that you write and it can be very, um, you know, um, a lot more in depth in one area, you know, if somebody struggles with melody, we can really, really focus on that. Um, and you know, I have my degree and real life experience to pull from. So, um, yeah, teaching is a great way also for me to really internalize everything that I'm doing in my everyday life where, um, you know, okay, yesterday I wrote a country song and today I'm going to write an R&B song. Like I can, um, I, I, I find myself paying a lot more attention because I will have to go around and, um, teach this also. For sure. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I know that a lot of songwriters uh, that are just kind of getting into the game, they, they're really interested in learning how to write uh, effectively as a top liner. And so I was hoping that maybe you could discuss maybe some of your practices in top lining and like, you know, really good tips and tricks that you've gleaned over the, you know, the course of your career. Yeah, for sure. Top lining is interesting um, because there's you know you're given a track and you have to work with what the track is and if you work with great producers that's going to be easy if you work with um producers who are less experienced or um less receptive <laughs> it may be more challenging um so i always find that you know you can i i take the approach of like you know if i get a beat and it doesn't work for what i'm trying to write i will cut it up and change it or ask the producer to change things. I don't think we need to, you know, just take it as is and um, try to force the song around it. I think we can still, you know, try to mold the two together because that's where we get the best songs um, is when the production works for the song and the song works for the production. So I don't like the culture of top lighting where it's like, okay, well just, you know, give me something that works for this beat. Um, and you know, it really depends on the situation. Like maybe sometimes it is like, this is the beat and you have to write to it, in which case, you know, you have to do that. But, um, if you are in a situation where you can really work with the producer and, and have both of them complement each other, that's obviously the best kind of situation. Um, but what I do for top lighting is, you know, it's really, really about melody. So not just settling for the first melody that comes to your head, try out lots of different things. Um, do I, I go back and forth because melody is a very, very important part of songwriting, but your lyrics are the most limited factor, right? Like there are so many different combinations of notes and rhythms that are going to get you a melody. That's going to be great. There are very few words in the English language that are going to say exactly what you need it to say and also rhyme. <laughs> so lyrics are so limited. So I, I think taking a holistic approach to it where, you know, if you start with the melody, don't get too tied into your melody before you come up with the lyrics and then let your lyrics inform your melody and then go back from the melody to the lyrics. And, um, I don't think we need to like try to fit words into a melody if it's not working. So I guess this kind of goes back into what I was saying with like the producer, um, relationship and, um, you know, just trying to force songs onto beats. Don't try to force lyrics into melodies. Don't try to force melodies into lyrics. Like let the whole thing 
breathe <laughs> and try lots of different possibilities. Cause, and, and this is something I see a lot with my students is the biggest challenge is changing your ideas and trying lots of different ideas. It can be really hard even to just get into that like generation process and even realizing like, oh my gosh, I just sang this same exact thing five times and I thought they were all this, all different. <laughs> um, so I think that's a really, really important skill to build as a songwriter is flexibility and idea generation. Because so many times I'll sit in a session and I'll throw out something and the artist doesn't like it. And I need to have like three or four more options to get to one that the artist does like. So having that flexibility and like free association of like ideas in your head of, you know, here's a whole bank of words that I just have in my head that rhyme with you and that aren't blue and two. (laughs) So there's, I think there's a lot of, um, kind of work like exercises and things that you can do to to get yourself more freely like generating within yourself if that makes sense Sure. Yeah. I mean, free writing exercises are are paramount just to, number one, help you, you know, kind of get out like the sludge, if you will, and just like to really, you know, get the get the creative juices flowing. So um, thank you. That's you know, it's very insightful. And uh, so for everybody that's listening, like, you know, hold on to that. Be willing to change. Be willing to always use new ideas and don't get married to anything right away because one of the one of the things that I've learned over the course of my career too is whatever serves the song best right and so I think especially as like new writers like I think back to like the first song that you ever wrote because I know that you wrote songs for your brother right yeah so (laughs) think back to one of those first songs for me for a second and Talk about like if you if you remember uh, you know any of the concepts of these songs that you wrote for him like talk about what it was like you know when you first started writing versus the end result. Yeah, so it's funny. I feel like when I was a kid, I had so many ideas. I had so many things floating around in my brain and I was so free and I was just able to write all the time and write everything. And, um, I wasn't worried about whether it was good or not. 
I thought, you know, just because I was doing it, that it was cool. <laughs> and I, somewhere around high school, I got, <laughs> life got in the way a bit more. Yeah. And it was like, okay, well, this isn't good or this isn't good. And like, once that judgment started creeping in, it got a lot harder to, to write. And then editing gets really hard. <laughs> um, so when I was a kid, I was writing, I mean, my, one of the first songs I wrote was called Hiccup Baby. And I wrote it for my brother when he was born, cause he had the hiccups. <laughs> and, um, he, you know, anything that he did, I would write little songs for, or I would write songs for my sister and I to perform. Like I wrote, um, I rewrote part of your world from the little mermaid to be relevant for like this musical that my sister and I wrote. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I was just so free and unburdened <laughs> when I was little. And, um, then, like I said, around high school started becoming more analytical. And this is something that I talk about on my podcast a lot is like editing brain versus creating brain. And you cannot live in both at the same time. You cannot be trying to write and critically edit at the same time. You'll never write a song if you do. It will never, it'll never finish or, you know, it'll feel so like, beaten down by the time you finish it that you hate it <laughs> um so it's been something that I've had to I've had to learn how to switch that because especially going to music school and now doing this as a job as a career where it's like there are certain requirements certain parameters the stakes are higher now that it is it's very difficult to just turn that off and just be able to go into a space where it doesn't matter what you write like the outcome is irrelevant all that matters is the process and um i think that's another really important thing for like everyone to keep in mind is if you're if if you find yourself judging what you're doing when you're writing it you got to find a way to flip that off and I think there's a difference between like, oh, wait, no, that doesn't work. Or like, that's not really what I'm trying to say. If you're, you know, writing and that's kind of your thought process where you're like, oh, wait, I think I can say that better. Or, you know, this versus if you're saying, oh, no, that's bad. <laughs> or, oh, that sucks. Right. Like, careful about the language that you use because it's really going to affect your process. Like when I first got out here, I started writing a lot of R&B and I didn't grow up doing R&B and um, have pretty limited knowledge of it, but it's where all my opportunities were. And I found myself like really judging everything that I was, I was like, this is new. I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know the conventions. I don't really have um, a lot of like the flow and the cadence down and really had to put that aside <laughs> um, in order to be able to write songs that were good. So that was a long-winded answer to your question, but I hope it made sense. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. And I, I love what you said about, like, don't judge what you're writing while you're writing it because it creates a negative headspace and then you're creating a roadblock for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So you're you're subconsciously putting up walls while you're trying to, you know, crank out this song. And I think that's a really interesting concept. So thank you very much for, you know, for sharing that. Um, 
I do, uh, I do want to get into talking about your podcast a little bit with Songwriters Unblocked, and I've listened to a couple of episodes. And so, can you can you talk about like why you were driven to start a podcast about songwriting? Yeah, for sure. Um, I wanted a podcast like about songwriting for songwriters because it was something that I felt like I didn't have like I, I got out here and you know as you're trying to figure out LA trying to navigate the music industry you're like oh my gosh how do I make money doing this am I supposed to be doing this why am I doing this like all of these questions and I was getting really existential and I was like you know what why don't I just like ask my friends all these questions like let me just talk to the people around me and try to figure out why anyone writes songs like why are we driven to do it what has our the trajectory of our life and or career looked like that got us to where we are now like trying to make a living doing this um and I found that all the podcasts that I was listening to were either or about songwriting that I was finding were either here's how to write a song or tips for writing songs or they were here's this famous songwriter and let me talk to them about their lives and there was nothing in between so like this I know how to write songs. I do this, but I'm not noteworthy enough yet to, you know, draw um, on decades of experience. But I think there's this whole middle ground of songwriters who are experienced, very knowledgeable and um, like me, like my friends, like all the people that I work with. So I just figured I would start a podcast and ask people all the questions that I had myself about songwriting and and about the process and why we do it that's really cool very unique um so thus far in uh in your uh podcast what has been one of your standout episodes oh i i it's hard to choose because everyone's really so different like it's it's about the same thing and there are totally overlaps, but everyone's approach, everyone's story is so different. Um, but I have to say one of my favorite episodes was with, um, a woman named Michelle Vice Maslin and she has been in the music industry for decades. And she's one of the only kind of veteran songwriters that I've ever had on the show. Um, but she has just made the most amazing career doing sync music and she doesn't release music on Spotify. She's not an artist. She's a producer. She's a writer. And, um, she's been doing this forever (laughs) and she just had so many great things to say. So much wisdom. Um, she had this story that I love to share. Um, she was pitching her music to music supervisors. She's been doing this for decades. And just last year, a music supervisor responded to her after 25 years of pitching to him and not placing anything. He said, Hey, I'm going to use this song that you just sent me in this movie. And he sent her an entire, she hadn't heard a word. Like she had spoken to him, you know, they got connected, but she had been sending him music for 25 years. He sent her a spreadsheet of every single song, over 200 songs that she had sent him over the last 25 years. And he was like, here's everything I have from you. Send me everything else that I'm missing. 
got one of her songs placed in, I don't know if it was a movie or a TV show, but it was a huge placement. She was like, this made me all the money I needed for the entire year after 25 years. She was like, I just about cried. She was like, I, there was a moment where I, she was like, I almost gave up. I was almost like, you know, all these people that aren't responding to me, that aren't giving me the time of day, that aren't placing my music. She was like, I almost stopped sending them songs. And she was like, ah, whatever, you know, and this was back in the day of CDs. Um, She's like, I'll just mail them out one regardless. And then she just kept doing it over 25 years and finally placed one of her songs, but had been listening. He had actually been listening to all of them and, um, you know, keeping tabs on her, even though she never knew. And I just think that was like, just such a beautiful testament to like, like, don't give up. Right. That is insane. Don't give up. Yeah. Like you never know who's watching. You never know who's paying attention to you. And had she in like, you know, 2005, like not sent that guy her CD where, you know, you never know, like, where would she be now? (laughs) Right. Wow. That's, I mean, and okay. So performers here time and time again like whenever you take the stage give it your best because you don't know who's in the audience you don't know who's watching it is insane to think that 25 years worth of work and this woman had the fortitude and the strength to go you know what i know what i'm about i'm not gonna give up and and it and it paid off and so and here's the cool thing about sync one deal comes in then another deal comes in. Then another deal comes in. I have I have friends that are in the sync industry, which I want to hook you up with, by the way. I think you would really enjoy talking to Donna DeSapo and Nate Cornell of Syncology Music. They are incredible people, phenomenal songwriters. Yeah. Donna's gotten many placements via Hallmark. And um, Nate is kind of like, he's a Swiss Army knife. He He's a producer. He's a writer. I mean, he's an incredible vocalist. Uh, he's He's all of the things. And together they have this incredible team. But like, you know, just to hear a success story like that, I hope for anybody listening today that that inspires the shit out of you because that is that is just case in point. You never know. Like, I yep. mean... Morgan Freeman didn't get famous until after he was like in his fifties, you know, anything can literally happen at any given time. So, uh, that's just, that's incredible. Um, okay. So, so there's one episode. I think episode 21. (laughs) All right. Go listen to episode 21. I'm going to link that in the show notes. I'm actually going to write that down right now. (laughs) Um, okay. So give me another standout episode. Another standout episode. Um, let me think. I want to, I want to choose kind of carefully. Let me, let me just like search through my episodes a little bit. Cause yeah. again, again, like everyone is so, everyone's so different. Everyone has such a different, um, story. Okay. You know, I mean, there's episodes on music therapy and healing through music, um, you know, vulnerability, uh, mindfulness and songwriting. Like, it's so hard to choose, but um, 
I, I guess, I guess I'll choose, um, it's episode, oh gosh, I don't know what number this is, but it's called Pub Deal Sessioning and Letting Go with Grace Bear. And Grace and I are, are friends. And, um, this was, she had just recently signed a publishing deal. Like I think the week that we spoke, um, and you know, very, even though the song, the, the podcast is about songwriting, it's kind of rare to just get writers, right? Like everyone else is doing their artist thing. Right. Um, and talk about songwriting, but it's, you know, they're always, maybe they write for other people, but their focus is usually being an artist because that's what everyone wants to do, which is totally cool. Um, but Grace is uh, just a writer and um, we were really able to talk about I think the highs and lows of being a writer in the industry because it's a it's a different life it is like you're not shooting music videos you're not gigging you're not um you know like social media is always important I think but you're not you know so concerned about your strategy or TikTok or whatever and instead you know you're in sessions every day with lots of different people and sometimes in different genres and you have to learn very quickly how to be in a room which is another skill like how do you take all the different energies and personalities in the room and make it work and um you know satisfy the artist and give the artist something that they like you know like it's there's a lot of um customer service to being a songwriter um in addition to skill where um you know you i if the artist doesn't like the song maybe the song is great but if the artist doesn't like the song at the end of your session you've done something wrong like it doesn't really matter how good the song is if the artist doesn't like it like you've kind of failed sure. <laughs> um so i i just this episode with grace was so good because we were we really talk about what it means to be a songwriter how publishing deals come around you know the dynamics of co-writing um navigating money and getting paid like i talked about before you know like it could be two years before i see money from a song so how do we support ourselves how do we um make a living doing this and playing this role in rooms and so often being forgotten and being unseen and all of that. So um, that is definitely, I still think about this episode um, as one of my favorites for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that will definitely be in the show notes linked for everybody to, to take a look. Um, so with, you know, like time being kind of constrained, um, I just want to put out there, like for any songwriters that are, struggling to really figure out okay I have this idea but what do I do next a resource like Sierra is invaluable to you you know calling on a songwriter who's been in the business who has experience working with other people being in the room knowing what you need to get out of that room knowing how to actually like walk in and go okay let's discuss cuts before we actually walk out of a room with a finished song like there's there's a lot of red tape to that but also to just having somebody to bounce your ideas off of that has the experience and the know-how to give you direction is so much more valuable than trying to go to YouTube and just, you know, essentially like throw caution to the wind and go, okay, well, I guess, you know, maybe I'll, I'll learn from Joe Schmo who's never actually <laughs> written a song but just thinks that they know how. Like 
it having an experienced professional working with you again I mean, Aaron and I, we, we drive this home. Like, you know, try not to go to YouTube. We understand lessons aren't cheap. Everybody has to live and make a living. But invest in yourself and invest in a professional that can actually help you get to your goals. So, Sierra, I just want to say thank you so very much for your podcast, number one, because it's incredibly educational and informative, which we love at Music on the Move. But also, too, thank you for for trying to dig into the world of songwriting in a way that nobody else has yet. Like, in, in actually talking about what it's like being, you know, in the trenches as a songwriter in LA of all places, you know, God bless you. Um, I mean, you know, I, I lived in Nashville for a hot minute and, and I got into a couple of rooms there and it was, you know, some rooms were great and some rooms really suck. And knowing how to navigate that is just, it's a lot. So before we go, could you maybe give us an example of a right that went south and, you know, just talk about that experience. Obviously not naming names or anything like that, but. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll, there, there have been honestly very few rights that completely tank. Like, I think, you know, it's bound to happen. And I think you should get comfortable with the fact that they are going to happen. Like, you're not doing anything wrong if like a right just completely tanks. Um, but there was this one and it was the beginning of it was the beginning of a, a writing camp. So it was going to be like 10 days straight of writing in the studio with this artist and me and this artist have written together before and we have good rapport. Um, but we were trying something new <laughs> and we were, we had kind of a, a different direction that we were going in and the approach was going to be different. And we were in the studio for the first time and, um, it, we just, we had a reference and it wasn't a reference. Like it was from a genre and like decade of music that I was not familiar with. It was not my strong suit. Um, and it was just so hard. It was so hard. And we had this amazing keys player in the studio and, um, he was just crushing it. But like me and her were, the song was not working. It was so hard. And I'd say, I mean, I can finish a song very quickly, you know, like rarely do sessions ever need to be more than, you know, four hours. Um, and this one, I think we were there for like 10 hours and Ooh. we got, yeah, yeah. And, and it was day one also of this camp and it was so rough and the song that came out of it was just not good. <laughs> so I think what we had to learn from that was like, you know, once the session's over, it's over, like, let it go and continue the next day exactly as you did at the start of that day that went pretty south, you know? So don't let, don't let one session impact the rest of your week. Don't let, um, you know, some collaborators who maybe you don't get along with impact the rest of your week. Like I've also had a session where I was in the room with a writer and an artist and they decided they didn't want to work with me and they didn't share the Google doc or the note that we were writing our lyrics on. I didn't get it like the time of day from either of them. And I was like, well, why am I here? Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, I'd say that one was the worst one. But um, all that to say, like, you know, these bad experiences are going to say what's more often going to happen is mediocre sessions. And in some ways, those can be even more discouraging because they'll happen more often. And then you're like, 
oh my god am I doing something wrong like none of these songs are working not moving forward and um I think just what you need to take away from every session is like even if it's good you have to show up the next day exactly how you would every other day and not expect that song to be great either because you know new people new day new song take it all as a blank slate and don't let you know, something that happens one day influence the rest of your week or, you know, your entire perception on your ability as a songwriter. Cause you know, that's not going to get you very far. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Well, I think that's incredibly sage advice. And so thank you very much, uh, Sierra for all of your time today. I greatly appreciate it. And so for everybody that's listening, please make sure that you go and you head over to songwriters Unblocked. follow on Apple podcast, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. And again, thank you so very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was so great. I'm so used to being uh, the interviewer and some of the interviewees. So this was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Very cool. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sierra, for being a part of our show today. It's greatly appreciated. Links will be in the show notes if you would like to take songwriting lessons from Sierra. And make sure that you check out her podcast, Songwriters Unblocked. It's a super cool show with lots of really cool interviews, especially one with our very own Aaron McClendon of Music on the Move. So please go like and subscribe to Sierra's podcast. And while you're at it, if you haven't done it yet, please like and subscribe to our podcast. Music on the Move Studios really, really tries hard to get indie artists a platform to share their music and industry professionals to also share their knowledge. We'll see you next week, friends.